Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and I'll be hosting a special live broadcast tonight on News Talk 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here tonight to tell you what you need to know about how to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether and what you need to do to prevent Alzheimer's and many other chronic diseases. We're opening up the lines and taking your calls, so please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show, and this is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical radio show here on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're here tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at health care from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, welcome back. We're always eager to find out what's new in health, not only just healthcare, the delivery of healthcare, but what's happening with COVID. Have you got any update on the news? Well, I think we're going to carry off on last week's show, which is basically that COVID is over, if you ask me. Um, because if you've been vaccinated, you have no risk of getting the virus. Or if you do, you're not going to be in the hospital and you'll recover. Um, if you've been vaccinated, you're not going to shed the virus or share it with anybody else. So then you're not uh, at risk for anybody. Um, and if you've had uh, been vaccinated, you can go outside without a mask. You can go inside without a mask with other people that have been vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, well, then you don't care. So why have any more public policy about restricting movement, restricting uh, uh, who should wear a, va a mask, um, where you can go? I don't know why the, the economy and restaurants and other venues aren't 100% occupied. I have a quick question to you about the vaccine. I got Pfizer, Siobhan got Moderna. There's a two-week, and she, in her case, a three-week interim between the second shot, where do we stand between shot one and shot two? I mean, is you, are you are you immune? Are you can you spread it, catch it, give it? What's the situation? You're not immune at all until a few weeks after shot two, maybe wow. two to three weeks after shot two. So after shot two, then you are fully protected, and the CDC says you can go do whatever you want. So basically, and you know, I, I keep That's hearing... That's how I interpret the CDC guidelines. No, I know, but you, 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 do whatever you, know, you, want. you hear things on the news in the morning about, and I noticed this morning on Channel 2, they were talking about how there may be places that will absolutely restrict you from coming in if you don't have, you know, proof of the fact you've been vaccinated, that they legally have that right. Well, isn't that discrimination? Well, yeah. I mean, why do they legally have that right? That's discrimination. We still live in America. Now, again, I've got other beliefs and, and thoughts about health care that I'm, this doesn't really, and this is different from those beliefs. But today in America, you have choices. 
And if you choose not to get a vaccine, why should you be discriminated against uh, your freedom? No, but I, I mean, I personally have a lot of colleagues and friends who were not going to get vaccinated, and they eventually did because they felt as though they were going to be shut out of getting, you know, being able to attend classes or go to public gatherings or get into restaurants or wherever, because if the private enterprise has the right to put a sign, show your vaccine certificate or you're not getting in, I mean, it's like the same thing about, you know, coming to this country, you don't have your vaccines, you don't get in. Well, unless you're in Texas on the border, then it doesn't matter whether you've been vaccinated. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you have COVID. Well, it doesn't matter anything. Then just come on into America. It's not then illegal come on in. crossing, well, though. apparently it is because it's been approved. So the, uh, the government says that if you are crossing the Rio Grande, it does not matter what your state of your health is. You can enter this country and, you know, become an American. Okay, but let's talk to the people that are listening to the show tonight about whether or not they're going to be shut out of places if they don't get the vaccine? Well, I think, like, if you feel that your freedoms are going to be restricted, a lot of people who are holding off on getting vaccinated may choose to get, vac- to get the vaccine. Like, if you can't fly, if you haven't been vaccinated, then people will probably get vaccinated. Right. It's likely that's going to happen, that that's yes. going to be a well, requirement? could be. It's not my decision. I have no idea. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, the American Airlines and United are not talking to me. So I'm not leaving right. Delta out of this because we like Delta, but I'm not, I'm, um, I'm not, I have no idea, you know, what that's the case is now. Should it happen? I don't know. Um, you know, but I would think that right now that that is discrimination. Yeah. Well, in terms of going back to masks for a second, since by the way, anyone that's listening and wants to ask questions over the break, we're doing a stream on Facebook Live. So feel free to tune in there on WJR on my page, Siobhan Cronin and Marie Cronin. Um, But someone had asked about masks. So the answer is if you haven't been vaccinated, you should wear continue wearing a mask. But if you have been vaccinated, you can go in as, as long as other people also have been vaccinated. It seems a little bit unclear, maybe. It is unclear because, again, if. If you believe the science that uh, vaccines work and you've been vaccinated, then you should not need a mask at all because you have no risk of getting a serious uh, complication of COVID and you have no risk of spreading the virus to somebody else. So if you've been vaccinated, you should not need a mask anywhere. And if you choose not to be vaccinated, well, then you're going to live with the consequences on your own of not getting vaccinated. And so you shouldn't have to wear a mask unless you want to wear a mask because you haven't been vaccinated. So at this point in time, COVID's over and you shouldn't have to wear a mask anywhere. It's your personal choice whether or not you should wear a mask. Personal. People are going to see people without masks and they're going to wonder if they're just against masks or whether they've been vaccinated. We're not going to know who's who out there. You don't have to know. If you okay. want to get vaccinated and do what you want to do, then get vaccinated. If you don't, then you don't care. It's your own problem, not someone else's. All right. Well, we'll come back and talk about that on the other side of the break. Again, you're listening to a special live broadcast. And we are here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question, would like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent catastrophic disease, please call us at 800 859 0957. Again, that's 800 859 0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. I read it. 
If you're just now joining us, I'd like to let you know we're welcoming you to our special medical radio show on News Talk 760 WJR. We're back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention in Birmingham, Michigan. He's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. And we're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800 859 Again, that's 800 859 Siobhan, you have callers? Yep, so we have two calls on the line right now. Let's start with August in White Lake. August, what's your question? Yeah, my question is I'm 66 years old now. I'm uh, doing some exercise. I'm watching what I eat. But I want to make sure I can stay as healthy as I can. What else should I do? Welcome to, to the show, practice, right. right? Welcome to the show, August. The most important thing you should do is a carotid intima media thickness test. That's a CIMT. It's an ultrasound that looks at the walls of your artery. And if that test is normal, you should get a CT calcium score of the heart. We need to know if you make plaque. And if you make plaque, it puts you on a whole other trajectory toward um, identifying other drivers of inflammation that may cause you to have artery disease. So that's what you need to do is identify whether or not you have disease in a quantifiable way. Great question. Yeah. That's the CIMT test he needs to get and the right. CT cardiac calcium scoring. And what and we if talk he has about... a hard time getting it or finding out where to get it, Dr. Collender, you're, you're welcome to help these people out get, getting the test. Of course. 866 Collender. Siobhan? Oh, I was going to say that for the listeners, you should all tune in on Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock because we actually talk a lot about this where, right. you know, people that really need to know where they stand in terms of their health for what testing to get. You cannot make assumptions about your health. So August is eating healthy, he's exercising, and he's still asking the right questions, which what's wrong, what could I be missing? He's not assuming he's okay because of what he's doing. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the next caller. Thank you for your question. So up next, we have Josh and Clarkston. Josh, what's your question? I actually have two quick questions slash points about COVID and the vaccines. Uh, first is a question regarding the actual vaccine itself and how it works. Uh, most, uh, I think most of the stuff we've cited about the vaccine, killing the virus, and all that kind of stuff is from the CDC. I read the papers for submission for emergency use from the FDA, and it appears to me that the vaccine does not prevent the virus, only lessens your symptoms, which is not technically a vaccine, but a booster. Um, is there any efficacy to that question and that point? Well, give us both questions and we'll go on. All right. The What's second question? question is the second question is then actually regards to people who have actually had COVID. Um, I have a very difficult time trying to find any accurate reinfection statistics. Uh, and for those who have already had COVID, um, which I have, my wife has, um, I had mild symptoms and my wife was actually quite serious in the hospital for about a month. But uh, for us, the vaccine, if a booster is only going to last or a vaccine shot is only going to last six months and an actual infection only lasts six months or unknown at this point, there's not a much, much data regarding reinfection. Why would anybody who's already had COVID risk potential issues with a vaccine triggering more events? Well, this is a concern a lot of people have that we're going to address. And actually, Amory, this might be a good, I'm going to put your 
answers on hold a minute because we've had some questions from overseas. Um, so I'm I'm want to let the listeners know that this is a global show now, uh, and your questions are being heard globally. Um, and we I want to this is a you have a similar question that's going to answer a lot of these same issues, Amory. So I don't mean we're going to lump two. Two callers and a one answer. If you can go ahead and... Yeah, we have a lot of listeners from overseas, and certainly we have many from South Korea. Uh, right after last week's show, I received this uh, message over the Internet from a caller who has subsequently given me her permission to read the question in its entirety, and this is what she said about the vaccine. And I'm quoting this. Love what you do in the general proactive sense of helping people become advocates for their health. But curious how you can possibly support allowing pharma linked to med docs and government to convince humans to inject themselves with experimental non-traditional vaccines. You know well that the term vaccine is being used for this injectable because the general public understands and has come to accept, for the most part, injections called vaccines. I would love to hear you discuss the protocol and advise what your own wife uses, as she too has opted not to take part in subjecting herself to be part of this jab experiment. What protocol does she implement daily? Please share. Do you have any pre-flight protocol for those of us wanting to travel other than experimental injectables. And um, obviously I want to clarify that this person is in South Korea, but she is either English or American. And um, I, I was... She says she's from Florida. Yeah, she's yeah. from Florida, right, exactly. And so anyway, I um, continuing on asking her if, I, if she would mind sharing uh, her question on the air, she said, yes, of course. I would love the questions addressed on the air. And I'm from Florida, tuning in, however, from Korea. I love the heart health aspects, stroke, heart attack, and preventative focus. But I have a deep concern with the blind buy-in of experimental shots being taken by the masses. I would prefer to use ivermectin until the results of the massive experiment with the masses comes to light. Dr. Collender, what is your answer to this uh, guest who's listening as all the other people in South Korea are? Well, I want to combine this with Josh's call because sure. it's a similar answer and I didn't want to rehash this again. So um, to Josh's question about, you know, the vaccine does not prevent COVID. Well, no vaccine prevents the disease that it's meant to support Vaccines help build your immune system so that when you get the infection that you're preventing, your body's better equipped to deal with it. The flu shot doesn't prevent the flu. It just leaves you better equipped to deal with it. The difference is the flu shot may be 30 to 50% effective. The current vaccines that I approve, the Pfizer and the Moderna, are 90% effective against covid and the reason to get the vaccine, even if you've been exposed to COVID, is that you need more immunity because there are variants. So who knows what variant you were exposed to that drove you to have the infection, but getting the vaccine that may prove to you to build your immune system against additional variants is very helpful. 
it's always better to get the vaccine because the virus causes an inflammatory condition that causes other chronic problems in susceptible people. And none of you listeners have any idea if you're susceptible or not. So you, none of us have that data about yet about whether or not you're susceptible to COVID. And as we've talked about on other shows, you may have a risk of having a chronic inflammatory condition from COVID regardless of how you responded to the, to the virus. So getting a vaccine is preventive. It's a preventive move that will reduce your likelihood of having a chronic illness from COVID. So it's always better to get the vaccine, even if you've been previously exposed to the virus. So does the lady who wrote in from South Korea have anything to worry about or comments with pharma linked to med docs and government? Well, Was, uh, is that... You know, she's not listening. I mean, I, first of all, we appreciate the call. We all feel great that we have a, you know, we're all patting ourselves on the back. Hey, we got global listeners. But, you know, I'm pro-vaccine and always have been. I'm not pro-every vaccine because I don't think that every vaccine looks good to me. The vaccines that I like are the mRNA vaccines, and I don't think of them as being necessarily bad. We'll talk more about that next segment. All right. In the meantime, we have to take a quick break. Again, you're listening to a special live medical broadcast. If you have a specific question and you would like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke or have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on News Talk 760 WJR. We're fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collander, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention. He's here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. We're inviting you to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collander, coming back to our question that I got over the internet from the lady in, in uh, Seoul, South Korea. Well, at the end of her question, she wanted to say, or she did say, I would prefer to use ivermectin until the results of the massive experiment with the masses comes to light. What do you have to say about that? And what are you treating your patients with? Well, I mean, this is a very complicated question. And so the undertone of the question is that vaccines are bad, which is not my belief. And so even though I do have some uh, skeptability, I'm skeptical of what pharma does and, you know, the FDA and what they approve. And I share the caller's concern about, um, you know, Josh and our friend from uh, South Korea that, um, you know, the government is doing some things to us, um, but this is not the area where I think the government is doing things to us. Um, you know, we had this COVID virus come on, along. It's killing people that are susceptible and it's causing chronic disease in people who survived. Uh, yes, it's only affecting a very small percentage of the population, but... Um, the possible, obviously what it's done to our country is terrible in the world, 
Uh, so I'm in favor of getting vaccines. As far as ivermectin, I've just started recommending ivermectin to some of my patients. Uh, but what's happening in India makes us re- me reconsider ivermectin. So ivermectin is a anti-parasitic drug that is for animals and people, um, and it's had a long-term uh, effect on certain infections, just like hydroxychloroquine has. So I personally found hydroxychloroquine to be very effective when administered as early as possible in the COVID process. You managed to keep almost all of your patients except one out of the hospital. And the only one that went in started too late, and one went in just because he was scared. But he Mm -hmm. probably couldn't survive being out of the hospital. So what you're saying is in your experimentation of treating patients and trying to keep them out of the hospital, which didn't seem to do them any good because they all wound up on ventilators, is that early treatment with hydroxychloroquine and perhaps some other medications works. Now, yes, but ivermectin, the the word on ivermectin is, quote, unquote, they're using it in India. And because India is failing, you have to question whether ivermectin is working. So I don't know that anyone's doing studies on the efficacy of ivermectin in India, but because India is doing so poorly and the thought was, well, they're using it successfully in India and and in Asia, um, you really have to question ivermectin now. Because if it was doing so beautifully, why is India, you know, underwater? So um, there, I, right now, I still think vaccines are better because in the U.S. they still have you know, 150 or 200 million doses and no issues. I don't say no issues, but no major issues. But there's no expectation that a vaccine will prevent you from having the disease. Okay, so let's jump. We've got another caller on the line. We have Sue from Brighton. Sue, what's your question? Good evening, Dr. Collender. Thank you for taking um, my my call. Uh, I wanted to talk about people that are immunocompromised, you know, the CDC always points out that even though they give guidance in various ways for those that have been vaccinated and whatnot, they also have these caveats for those that are immunocompromised. And that's a little kind of murky in some ways because um, many of us know that if you're going through cancer treatment or if you're dealing with um, organ transplants, those are the first things we think about in terms of immunocompromised people. But when I talk to my own doctors, given the fact that I have type 2 diabetes that's uncontrolled at this point, unfortunately, and I'm overweight, that there's some immunocompromisation going on there too. And so even though I've been fully vaccinated, you know, I'm still being somewhat cautious, probably still going to be wearing masks for a period of time um, in this kind of a situation. And then, of course, I wonder about what is the antibody level that a person really is at? You know, how has their immune system reacted to this vaccine? You know, and it's really hard even, I'm told, with some doctors to even get a decent antibody test to truly understand where you're at. I'm over 65, so I've looked at the raw data on the Moderna test, which, I again, I'm fully vaccinated with the Moderna test, and it said like 86% effective for those of us over 65 in the original trial with the original coronavirus. 
um, and which is fabulous, of course, fabulous numbers. But I'm probably below that number, and of course, it's hard to know where I'm at. So I just wanted to hear comments on people that are immunocompromised and kind of the things I'm struggling with at this point. Uh, thank you. Well, you're welcome, and great thoughtful question. So I don't know how much struggling you need to do because you did get vaccinated. Um, the most important thing for you to do is to manage your health, which is, again, um, identify whether or not you have disease and apply an aggressive, personalized plan to make yourself healthy. To me, that's the most important thing to preventing COVID is reducing your internal uh, inflammatory environment. But in terms of the vaccine, I mean, good for you for getting vaccinated. Yes, you are still probably at risk for getting some type of uh, infection if you were exposed again. But according to the data that's out there, you should be uh, safe from having a severe enough infection that would cause you to be hospitalized. Wearing a mask is your personal choice based on what you know about yourself. So I don't say don't wear a mask if you feel comfortable or more comfortable wearing a mask then absolutely do it. Don't let anyone tell you anything differently. You should go ahead and do that. Um, the CDC and the government telling people not to get vaccinated because they have a immunocompromised situation is a total cop-out. The vaccine is not a live virus. It's, it's not live in any way. There's no chance of getting the vaccine of the virus from the vaccine. So I don't understand why the concept of not giving it to someone that's immunocompromised is being propagated by the government. It makes no sense to me at all. You should be getting the vaccine. Um, if you have allergies, then you know go somewhere where there's some supervision um, so that in case there's an issue that you're you know being monitored. Yeah, I think this is really interesting because I think that people, you know, they don't know the difference between mRNA and DNA. They don't know the difference between, you know, a, a dead and live virus being injected into you as a way of stopping you from or preventing the onset of the symptoms or the disease. So I still think that people are very confused about this. And well, and this caller is, is a great example of what the media has done to people. I mean, she's done what she's supposed to do, and she's been vaccinated. And the CDC says if you've been vaccinated, you're pretty safe. Yet she's scared to do anything because of her health condition and because of what she's hearing in the news. We've all been uh, suspect. You know, we've all been uh we all have Stockholm syndrome, basically, because we've just been bombarded by negative information and we're afraid to do anything. People are afraid to go to work because of what might happen. And this is, I hate to say it, is our government and the media scaring people into their rooms. If you've been vaccinated, it's okay. You're free. I mean, go out. And and it's a shame. I mean, so the, my, my anyway, next segment. Well, unfortunately, we'll have to take a quick break right now. You're listening to a special live broadcast from the studios of Startup Nation in downtown Birmingham. If you have a specific question on the subject we're discussing tonight and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly, please call us at 800-859-0957. 
Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special live broadcast here on News Talk 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat the chronic and debilitating diseases we've come to accept as inevitable. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Siobhan, you have a caller? Yeah, so we have Shonda on the line from Ypsilanti. Shonda, what's your question? Uh, I had COVID and lost my sense of smell and taste. That was back in July 16th and still have not got it back. Wow. I actually heard a similar story. I talked to someone recently, and that's, that's so unusual. It's weird. Dr. Collins, yeah, go do ahead. Yeah, do you have a question? So this is one of the complications of having COVID, and there's many other complications. So uh, hopefully your sense of smell and taste will come back. Over time, we don't know when, but it, the way I approach patients... July is almost a year. Well, I mean, that's a long time. Wow. We, the NIH is just now starting to look at the people who have a variety of complications from COVID. And this is another example of why it's important to get vaccinated. Siobhan, you mentioned people on, on Facebook are thinking that I'm anti-vaccine. Well, we had one person that oh, said that. One. Yeah, no, I don't think so, this is a... Fine. So, I mean, I am totally pro-vaccine. I'm very in favor of the Pfizer, Moderna, mRNA vaccines. I'm not so uh, thrilled about the DNA vaccines. Um, but I'm all for vaccines because they give you an opportunity to reduce the inflammation that would occur if you got the virus. So the caller is basically telling us that she's having ongoing complications of the inflammation that the virus causes. And I want to say, thankfully, it's just sense or smell. It could be dementia. It could be neurological problems. It could be cardiac issues. It could be uh, congestive heart failure. She could have kidney disease and ongoing gut so problems. So she's not really a long hauler then? She is in her way. Okay. She's, got a, she's lost sense of taste and smell. So that is a long hauler symptom. It's just not a... Life-threatening, you know, debilitating long-hauler complication. So this is another reason you get the vaccine is because the vaccine won't cause the inflammation that a virus would, but it would still boost your immune system to protect you should you get uh, COVID again. And someone asked about blood tests. Uh, There are second-generation immune globulin testing to the spike protein antibody to measure your response to the COVID vaccine. So we do that in our office, and it's a great test. Now, is it needed? I don't know if it's needed, but if you want to know, a great lab test is available to identify your response to the vaccine. Um, And... That's kind of blockbuster news. Let me back up a little bit. You're doing a test in your office. I didn't even know about this. You're doing a test in your office to identify what your response is to the vaccine if you got the vaccine. Are you talking about both phase one and phase two, any of them? Right. 
And it's what, a blood test? It's a blood test. And what is it you find out from the blood test? Well, so we've talked about COVID for, you know, obviously from the beginning. And so you can do an immune globulin titer, which is your body's response to the the virus or the vaccine, specifically to the spike protein antibody. Um, so, and measure that. So we're able to measure your response to the vaccine. And And I actually had a patient who had a response to that antibody without getting the vaccine just from COVID. Don't take that as a message not to get vaccinated. I recommend to that person also that at some point in the next few months, he should get vaccinated as well. So for people that have been vaccinated, they can come and get this test at your office. And what do you learn from it? What is their benefit to getting this test? Well, if they're curious, if they still have immunity, in the short term, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it, it's reassuring that you have the antibody. I would say that immunity cannot be fully measured by that test alone. Our immunity is being stored in our T cells and our CD4 cells and our humoral cells. So there's other ways that this, uh, our, our immunity is being measured, just not in a way that we can measure it in our offices readily. It's more experimental type testing. So I think that we're, again, caller Josh says, well, we're only immune for six months. I think that time is going to show that we're immune for a much longer time from the vaccine and from getting COVID. But still, get the vaccine because it will give you additional immunity. Getting the virus is not a good way to build up immunity and do not expect herd immunity to take care of you because apparently 40% of the population is not getting vaccinated yet, which means we are not going to get herd immunity. Don't get vaccinated for the greater good. Get vaccinated for you personally. Um, you know, there's a lot of like-minded people who don't want to get the vaccine, but the reality is you do it for yourself uh, so that you can survive. And you do it for your family so that they're not dealing with a sick person. So is this test that you do, is this available everywhere? Or is this a very prolific test? I mean, it Am I, should. I hadn't heard of it before. Well, I mean, it should be available. But it's, it's whether, you know, you've got to be looking for it. You've got to look for it. I just want to jump in because our caller, Shonda, had a follow-up question, sure. if that's okay. Shonda, yep. you're, you're back on the air if you'd like to ask the doctor. Yes, I also wanted to mention that I've been getting my blood tested monthly to see how long I've been keeping the antibodies, and I have had the antibodies for nine months now and was getting ready to have it tested for the T-cell immunity to see what my actual numbers are. Um, what is it when I've heard you can keep those for up to 11 years? What, what do you have to say about that, not getting the vaccine but having antibodies for nine months still? Well... I don't know how long exactly we're immune. I would say we're probably immune longer than the few months that the immune globulin antibody exists. I don't know that you can say that you're immune for 11 years. I sure would hope so. But the reason, again, to get vaccinated is to continue to boost your immune system because even, Shonda, having had COVID, you can get COVID again. And the more and diverse antibody response that you're able to develop, is better so that you don't have more problems beyond just loss of taste of uh, taste and smell. 
God forbid you get COVID again and you have a bigger problem. So, um, you know, none of my patients are getting their blood tested monthly. I don't think that's required. Um, you know, what for? You know, I would just say go get vaccinated and do the best that you can and live a healthy life. Identify your disease markers so that you can address them appropriately in terms of vascular health. And, and then you're really doing what you need to do. Well, obviously, the vaccine, if it prevents the disease, is also preventing, like you said, the onset of increased inflammation. So that's, um, that's a plus in, in and of itself. Well, we don't want to say prevents the disease. It reduces your complications from the exposure. Right. So vaccines don't prevent the disease. They just make it less dangerous if you get the vaccine. Same as the flu. The flu shot doesn't prevent you from getting the flu. It just makes it not as severe. Get vaccinated is your message anyway. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, so I'd like to quickly thank Dr. Brian Collender, MD, specialist in prevention, for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we hope you got some useful information tonight on how to be your advocate. And please tune in to Dr. Colander's show on Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for more information. Thank you for listening, and we are listening to News Talk 760 WJR.